Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hey, Jake, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing wonderful. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Jammers. It's coming up in a couple weeks. Will I see you there? Uh, Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it. But that being said, if you're going, I have a feeling that it's going to be live streamed. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. I'm bringing all my equipment and uh, going to live stream it. So hopefully all of our fans out there will enjoy the show. The other cool thing that's happening is the the jammers will be experimenting with the dial system. So uh, I have all the tablets in my suitcase, and I'll be bringing them along with the live stream equipment and uh, get some more people some experience with it. That'll be great and and get some more feedback. Yeah, totally. But um, with jammers, probably, I mean, the tournament's fun, but the best part is just jamming on the beach in the wind. It's usually one of the best places in the world to play. The wind is usually great and lots of big, flat beach, and so that's that's my favorite, so I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm sorry that you won't get to be there with me. Yeah, well, I'll be watching the live stream and hard pack and nice wind, which I'm sure you're going to be getting. So enjoy, my friend. Yes, I certainly will. Uh, Speaking of enjoy, uh, we had a really great conversation with John Kirkland. And so in this episode, we're going to pick it up where we left off the last time. Enjoy the conversation. I'm not going to get off on a rant. (laughs) What are the odds? But, uh, you know, like when a pendulum swings, and it can kind of go up to the very top, and it's going to fall one way or the other. Actually, if you're doing this on Earth, this can actually happen. A pendulum will go up to the top, and at the top, it's being hit by a certain number of random air molecules from one side, and a certain number from the other side. It's going to fall one way or the other, and it's going to be a matter of there are going to be more random molecules sitting from one side than the other to make it fall. But interestingly enough, the nature of air molecules is such that all it takes is for one more to be from one side than the other, and that's which way it'll go. The nature of air molecules is, first of all, there are so many of them, and they're so small, that it is literally impossible to track them. So you have a situation that is interestingly non-random, but unknowable as to which way it'll go. Literally, you can't know. It's not a matter of failure of technology. It's a matter of Heisenberg uncertainty principle. You cannot track all of them because if you try to track them, you'll change which way it goes because you'll interfere. Any method used to track them. I just thought I'd share that, that you have a, that's the beginning of chaos theory where you have something that's non-random but unknowable. It's really just go with the flow. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Way to boil it down. If there's any wisdom that has filtered down through my dense skull over the years, it's that there are ways of knowing that are deeper than others. There's the whole talking, try to figure it out way of doing something. And then there's like a deeper way of knowing. And the the difference is important. There's a time to try to use linear algorithmic methods. And there's a time to feel. When you, you can't define love, there are many things in the universe and in our experience that we know to be the case, but we can't say them. And so that's the whole flow idea, that there are, there are bigger things in life that can be conceptualized in words. Apparently, so, this conversation is, is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
So where does right. Frisbee fall along that continuum? Well, clearly, all the all the talk you ever get in philosophy about follow your heart instead of your head. I mean, this has been known forever. The Eastern philosophies versus the Western, you know, the feel, the Zen, the flow, the things that are synergistic that are too big to be contained in just a description. That's where all the truly important things lie. That's where all the feelings and love and uh, all the, the great works of humanity come from deeper insights. And then they get we try to filter them down through words, and sometimes words can capture the essence, and sometimes they can't. But frisbee for me is definitely one of those deeper things. And if I'm if I'm trying to do a freestyle routine and I'm lost in thinking about it, it's not going to flow anywhere near as well as if I can forget the words and and be totally present with the move. I remember having this discussion with Stork at that tournament in Toronto at the uh, that first freestyle tournament before the Globetrotter gig, before the uh, Rose Bowl. And he's trying to espouse to me the notion of choreographing is ludicrous, that that will never work. And I'm saying, no, no, you got to you, you got to know what you're going to do. You don't want to forget all your moves. And he's saying, yeah, but what if you you miss one of them that now? Now you've lost your flow. It, it, we had this long argument. Before, there was hardly any freestyle at all as to the difference between jamming and coming up with a routine. And, of course, we all kind of now know that it's a combination of both. You want a structure and you want a loosely held structure. You want, you want to know all the moves and all that kind of stuff. And if you practice it enough, it moves out of the realm of analytic and into the realm of memory and, and feel and you can have both. You can have structure and you can have feel. And the, the trick is to marry the two. And that's not only a trick in freestyle, but it's a trick in life. Indeed. And what I find so fascinating is that dance between flow and choreography was happening in the very original freestyle tournament. And it just continues on to today. It, it, it does sort of reflect all of our doings, all of the, I mean, at some level, the conceptualization versus the feel is at the heart of everything that in the human experience. It's what we are, you know, when we're at our greatest moments. I Sometimes I think of time as being this infinitely thin slice moving from the past to the future, we're most of the time caught in the rememberings, the thens, and the projecting into the future, the, the whens. And we miss that little tiny slice. We're mostly remembering and projecting. When we're at our, at our best, like say you're going to do a freestyle move that you've done a lot of times before, you sort of remember how to do it so you have the past, and you know what you're going to try to do, and you've got the future, but you're, you're feeling it, and you've got this combination of the past, the future, and the now that takes that infinitely thin slice and makes it fat. It opens it up, becomes wide, and you've got a hint of the past because you remember how to do it. And you have a hint of the future because yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But you're, you're not so much thinking it in terms of words as you're feeling it. And that skinny little slice of now becomes fat and dynamic and vibrant. And that's where all of true life and living is. That is why we jam. That's why we freestyle because we're able to make that thin slice fat because when you're in the moment doing an activity like freestyling, you're present. 
you're not in the past and you're not thinking about the future. You're in that thin line that you're now making fat. And that's why we are drawn to this. So, John, you have an amazing list of like innovations and creations of moves. Tell us a few of your favorite creations and innovations that you came up with that you can share with our audience. Well, freestyle, like everything else, is always sort of a group effort. You see something and it reminds you of something and you put your own thing on it and someone else does it. If if someone said to me, what was the uh, the most important thing that you ever came up with in freestyle? Uh, because really, I was just watching other people. I was sort of the the guy that went around and saw this guy do that and this guy do that. And I had a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Uh, I didn't come up with so many things actually myself. The one thing I did come up with that I think had not been done until this time was when I was touring with the Globetrotters, we would practice for hours. We'd show, get up and go to the next town and get to a, you know, get a bite and go to the gym. Now we've got hours before we play. We'd sit around, we'd get stoned and do whatever. I found myself with time and I started throwing the disc up to myself and practicing combinations. As far as I know, and I knew everyone at the time, I'm the first guy to do that, to throw a disc up to himself to practice Frisbee moves. The self-set. The self-set, as far as I know, I mean, Victor wasn't doing it, Stork wasn't doing it, no one was doing it. They, If the disc would come in, it was mostly quick catch. And every now and then, if to save it, you'd kick it. But no one was doing tipping combinations. No one was doing anything other than saving a, a, an errant throw. You know, it's low and you kick it up, or you go to catch it and it's coming too quick and you slow it down. I started self-set combination practice. And Victor said, this is going to ruin freestyle. Do not put this into the routine. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, oh, man, we got to look at this. Look, at it. you can do three and four t- tips, and then you can kind of kick it behind your back and then catch it. He says, no, it, it stops the flow. You're going to ruin freestyle. I'm not kidding. So the notion of throwing it up to yourself and doing combinations, I think, is, is, was my sort of contribution to it. Another, another move that I didn't really come up with except by accident is Cray and I and Billy King were practicing for the 78 Rose Bowl. We were doing Bill King's flamingo catch. And a flamingo, as the way that he described it, was not just with your leg on the ground and your hand behind it, but you were actually supposed to kick the other leg over the disc. So the disc is coming toward you you're standing on your left leg, you kick your right leg over the disc, and you catch it with your left hand behind your left leg, or your right hand behind your right leg. The flamingo actually was not just the static move, but it was a dynamic move where you were like doing a one-leg kickover. And I said, well, instead of catching it with the left hand down there behind the left leg, what if you reached down and tried to grab it, reached around your body and tried to grab it with the right leg? And now the race was on to do the flaming guidance. <laughs> and Craig did it first. But I thought of it. So did I come up with the move? Or did Craig come up with the move? Craig's the first guy to do it. I wouldn't have thought of it, except Billy King showing us how to do a flamingo. It's a group thing. It's almost silly. It's like a silly kind of, you didn't get enough attaboys, so you need credit. 
you know, I came up with this and I came up with that. And it's always a group thing. Right. I know you came up with the term OSIS, which is one of my favorite catches ever. And so how did the term OSIS in that thought process come to you? You know, that's a really good question. I wish I could remember why I called it an OSIS. it! I ought to be able to remember that. I remember writing about it. I tried to come up with a way of describing it in terms of uh, you're turning in such a way and making a catch so that if you continue that motion, you're going to result in a dislocation of the joint. And if you think of it that way, it's sort of like you're turning one way and you're trying to catch it. And if you kept that going, your arm would get pulled out of the socket. It's not an easy thing to describe. I did like Jake's demonstration of the gnosis, by the way. That was very nice, Jake. Thank you. Um, yeah, I love right. that you can add it to the end of any move, too. It's not just a move by itself. It's uh, It can be a, like an addition to any existing move. So right. it, it sort of gives us, like you were saying, a group think. It gives us a way to add add to anything that we invent. And you know what I've always found interesting about that add it to everything? I don't know if I've ever seen a chosis. Okay. James and Matt are doing a chosis at the same time in our routine coming up this year. So you No way. <laughs> No way, because I've always thought, so you can do a chair, but how do you do a chosis? So you got to turn back into it. So so you guys are going to bring it to life uh, at Worlds coming up. It's one of Matt's favorite moves, but it's an interesting move because it sometimes it doesn't look like a real catch. It looks like you just kind of bailed because you're not so restricted when you do the, the chosis. Right. What's interesting about the osis is that you have to really give it its true self or else it does look like a big fat the. I remember trying to invent the crosis and then realized, oh, it's more like a thusis because I'm just basically looking at the disc and grabbing it. <laughs> <laughs> a thusis. Oh, my gosh. That's great. The first thusis I ever did was when you do a chest roll, you catch it, but you turn into it. The rollosis. The rollosis. That's the first one I ever did. All it is is you're just catching it with your right hand like a normal roll, except that you have turned to the left. And as you catch it, your hand's behind you. Right. It's like a trailing edge catch almost. Exactly. And that actually, when you were saying what was your freestyle focus in the beginning, I always liked the sort of moves that had sort of an aha to them. They had sort of a fool the eye. As a matter of fact, Roger Barrett uh, wrote an article about those moves from one of the early magazines talking about what my contribution was. And he called them a trompe l'oeil which is a French term for, um, for fooling the eye. It's a, it was a, a movement in art. It was, as I said, the only catch I ever used to do was it's coming right to me. I'd, I'd bend over it and it would look like I was going to catch it, except the last second I catch it in a different place. And so my early freestyle had to do with those sorts of things. It's coming to me and I'm reaching out to catch it. And then I'm trailing edge it over my head or between my legs or trailing edge behind as it goes by you catch it and then you stick it behind your arm and pretend to throw and then throw it from somewhere else fakes like a triple fake where you would you go to catch it i'm gonna catch it right here and then i'm gonna catch it behind my back in the last second i like i like the fool the eye the last second your your mind's made a prediction as to what's going to happen then you do something different the people watching that are surprised and we usually react to surprise well you know we usually make that little animal grunt thing we call it a laugh most most laughter is caused by uh, your mind makes a prediction and then something different happens and you react to that difference the, the pattern shift uh, you could probably come up with a whole philosophy of and psychology of how everything works by that that uh, 
sort of pattern recognition. I love John's philosophical approach, and that is one of my favorite things about freestyle frisbee is finding that surprise. And uh, truly, one of my joys is to always be looking for something that is new or something that people aren't expecting. And uh, I certainly enjoy that process of finding the surprise. Yeah, you know, there's an art form in that, and I think that's something that I have never really uh like I love, I love it. I love it when it happens. I don't think I've figured out how to create it. So that's one of the things that I like about playing with you is I get to see the process that you go through to create those surprises. It's really cool. It's, it's fascinating to me and something that I that I would love to learn someday. Uh, so with that, I just want to remind people that uh, the Jammers will be live streamed. So tune in on uh, last weekend in May. You'll get to see all the great jamming that happens there on the beach, and you get to see the dial system in action. So I uh, hope you tune in. And we look forward to seeing you online. That's great. And with that, Jake, I will talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville shooting the frisbees and live streaming freestyle frisbee oh yeah